Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Squash community. Welcome to your next installment of the Squash Mind podcast series. And today on the show, I welcome Danny Massaro. So where to start with Danny? Well, firstly, he's such a fun, easygoing and hugely knowledgeable guy. He's such a deep thinker and he has such great philosophies on the game and life and what's happening in the mind. As some of you may or may not know, he's the husband of Laura Massaro, who he has helped and mentor throughout her whole career and was able to help her reach the world number one spot and to become world champion. Danny is also a lecturer at the University of Lancaster in sports coaching and performance psychology. So who better to have on the show someone who is right at the cutting edge of this field, talking about and working on the mindset. He works also with some really high performing pro players on the tour. And at the moment, and most notably, is Marwan al Shabagi. So this chat is so wide-ranging and broad, it was impossible to fit in all that I wanted to talk about. 
but it felt actually appropriate to go down certain routes to hear Danny's deeper thoughts and philosophies into the mind and how mental toughness can be grown. We have been speaking subsequently after this recording and are definitely going to follow this up and focus a little bit more on a few more specifics and really go deep with these as well. But I think you're going to take a lot of this chat. I had a great fun time. And as you can see, Danny comes across really warm, really humble, but massively knowledgeable in his field and has just those deep philosophies that got me thinking really quickly as soon as we started talking and got me to question myself and just take a closer look at what I'm doing and how I speak to my athletes. So please welcome to the show, Danny Massaro. Danny Massaro, welcome to the next episode of the Squash Mind podcast. How are you keeping? Keeping well. Yeah, keep well. Keeping occupied is the thing I keep saying at the moment. <laughs> I don't know about you, but Philip, I found so much to do like you know there's so much downtime but man just filling it with so much stuff are, are you are you the same are you finding you're busier now than you were when normal world was about um well I think for me I, I I'd kind of established a few years back how I you know I I, I didn't really like the nights of you know the life um so I've always I've always kind of got used to uh having time on my hands really I can I can definitely kill two days, you know, Monday and Tuesday with nothing to do, just pottering around. Um, but you do feel guilty sometimes. So I have, I have a bit of work here, a bit of work there. So it's not really been that different for me. Okay. Um, but I must say that this, this particular January now, um, I think with the weather and the rain and things, it, 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 yeah, it's a bit, I'm a bit like, oh, I don't mind now. You know, getting out, I'd love to go to a nightclub, you know, a bar, get on court with some players, you know, and uh, just see my mates as well, really. Yeah, you that's know, it. It's, it's, and, and I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we didn't get into this this chat and, you know, just that 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 lack of connection with people, you know, especially especially for the youngsters, you know, reflecting yeah. back when I was a teenager and maybe same as you, man, it was just we we're all over the place connecting yeah. with our mates, jumping to different sports and for these teenagers to have a year of no connection pretty much, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying mm. sign and I know we, we will get into that, but yeah, I think yeah. connection's a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, the kids, you know, and, and you know, like even the small ones, the birthday parties that they can't have and playground and, mm. you know, you, you know, yeah, and, and you, there's a lot of, you know, what it's been very interesting with my research, really, that um, a lot of what I've been studying, uh, ironically, is um, being and the lived life, um, the, the background stuff that goes on without you noticing which is really the essential stuff, but we 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 are we're always in the foreground sort of thing, yeah. especially nowadays with, 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 with how busy we are, and those background elements that that we take for granted um, that have to be taken for that's why they're in the background. That's how we operate. I think that I think you know that they have been missed out a little. There's certain key things you know that have been missed out, such as contact being in people's space, different noises, smells, different place. You know, you're always, you're always evolving, socialising, checking on things. Um, but thank God we've got, you know, the internet, I suppose, and, and social media because at some level that's, in a way, been, been able to carry on. Um, yeah, the, the, you watch the football, you know, you watch the football, the Premier League, 
and you can it's not weird for a reason no reason this season it's the the you know the, the fans being there they never truly know what effect it has but we know it has a, as an effect and you can you yeah. know it's different yeah it's going to be sports. interesting the case study whatever 5 10 years down the line of of the results that it's thrown up in sport and and the, the trends <laughs> and and whatever goals for or against home and away goals and you know liverpool losing 7-2 to aston villa for example is <laughs> yeah. like almost unheard of last season but listen i think a great place to start is yeah. to um for listeners that don't know really who you are at the moment to, to maybe give us a bit of a background in squash, but also where you're at now within your, your career, because for me, the, the stuff I'm reading about you, it just sounds so interesting and really curious to get into it. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind giving a quick background, that would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, to summarize it quickly, I, I've, I've uh, been a really a teacher, really an educator for uh, since 1997 and kept, kept my job all the way through. I started by teaching uh, GCSE, uh, then BTEC type things and then moved into A-level work and working, you know, doing the full mix there at college. Um, and so under 18s, doing a lot of sports coaching there, women's football, men's football, you know, a bit of volleyball, basketball, you know, doing this type of coaching. Then squash came back on the radar because I played it a lot as a kid. But then from about maybe, well, I went to university and I played football still, but forgot the squash then, like, you know, for... For whatever reason, I went down that, and then I was more DJing and partying and <laughs> messing around at university, which was good. You know, I was like six, seven, eight years away from squash. Didn't even know. I remember hearing about Jonathan Power, um, and I actually thought it was it was a guy who, who used to be local to me. I thought he's done really well. <laughs> it wasn't the same guy. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and and I, I was that out of it. I had no racket. I didn't know anything. And then where I was working at the college, we had two squash courts built in a big rebuild sports centre. It was quite nice because the public had all voted what facilities they wanted as well because it was a shared project. And they had squash came out quite high up. Nice. So the squash courts. Of course, that got me, you know, oh, I'll have a go. Uh, then bumped into some friends in town and who I hadn't seen for years, some old junior friends, and they said, come and play at the club at, at Preston Grasshoppers up there. And then before we knew it, I was playing. We got the team to Division One. We started signing professional players to come and play. We won the league. I, I started coaching squash. Then I met Laura, you know, in that time, and, and everything just went, like, down that channel. I left my job and we, we got married uh, in 97 and I, uh, sorry, 2007. And then, <laughs> uh, and then I, I, I kind of knew that I needed to be with Laura really more on the tour. Um, right. If we were going to do this thing right, you know, we really are, you know, I'm quite a pragmatic person. And, and, I, and I remember thinking, why am I going over there to that room and that, that building really college mm. teaching about coaching and sport and by that time, I was doing high national diplomas and things. When I could actually be doing it, you know, going to these places and, and you know, being a coach and the university we were affiliated with had offered me uh, some part-time work. So I thought, well, I can keep that going on the slide, work for the university. And I'd done, I'd done bits of projects for them anyway on, on various things um, to do with emotional intelligence uh, and you know, I was getting into the psychology by that stage as well. I've become a master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming, which, which took about three years. So I was really getting into the to, 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 to the coaching psychology, you know, the application side. 
um, and how you could change your beliefs and, and so on. So it was just a natural progression to go on the tour and really get stuck in. Um, and I saw that as a, I mean, Laura saw it together as like, a, um, you know, like let's, if we've got one shot at this, we do not want to be there in 10 years and think we could have done this. So and we called it leave no stone unturned. Nice. Um, that was the motto. So yeah, we, that, that was it. And so that lasted and we had an amazing journey as the squash people listening and watching this will know. Um, and that's in, in itself a story um, in the detail. We might get into some bits of that, but when she retired then in all that time, I'd kept my job at the university working mainly on masters coaching programs and helping with the development of the elite coaching practice sort of course um, and, and what it was, so, so what, why I say that was, was that I was getting a lot of these coaches coming in and students and I was living the life of a coach, mm. so to speak, in the hot seat, traveling around the world. And I was teaching all these coaching models and all these things that kept coming up, like constraints approach to coaching uh, theory. Um, you know, it all started to be about growth mindset, resilience, mindfulness all these things all these concepts started coming in mm. and then all these books started getting released in didn't they you know seven ways to do this 12 ways to do that <laughs> people like Alistair McCall mm. becoming a legend when he really wasn't it, you know, on the back I know how to do it listen to me mm. so I saw this kind of solutionism market forced solutionism coming in mm-hmm. and and I saw that the psychology in in people coming to university and I saw that the psychology of, of some of the players and parents kind of the responsibility started to flip a little bit to if I follow these rules and academic models and 12 rules and five and read these books. And if I sign up to this app, I'll become resilient because okay. I've read about it. So I will be. And I was getting asked, you know, so I was in this really tricky situation where I'm thinking in my heart and in my belly and spending a lot of time with David Pearson, who's, who's not academic in any way and living it and seeing all the, the, the turbulence of everything. I thought this has just become a shock front. This right. is just there's, there's, there's the information and there's the lived experience. And that's what I tried to blend when I had a crack at my first book The Winning Parent I, I, tr- I was told by a lot of parents you're really good you, you know you empathize they help us a lot and did do a few things with a lot of the kids I coached and, and I wanted to write a book and I had time on my hands with the traveling so I put that together re- interviewed loads of different people um, put some research in put some academia in stories all sorts and I was trying to bridge the academic with the practical mm. um and make it useful. Um, and therefore, that that led me, when, once, when Laura was coming to the end, I thought, in this last two years of her career and going on, I can do a PhD. I can just have something, I, you know, because I was starting to really get into philosophy as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, they're banging on about coaching philosophies and I'm teaching sports coaching philosophy to people, but we're not actually doing philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> we're just yeah. doing values and beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and 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 there you go. I've got my philosophy. It's there. Yay! Right. Thank you. Give me my medal. Yeah, I'm clever. And 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 I'm like, 
And that's not what coaching or living a life is. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. The, you know, the muckiness of it in yeah. the middle. So there I am, and I'm, that's what I'm up to. I'm finishing my PhD in, in June this year, June, July. That's when I'm heading towards. Um, and still coach, working with loads of PSA players. You know, that's that, 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 keep that on the, I keep that, you know, private and don't publicise much of that. But I have a lot of players that I work with and have worked with. And really helping them in the areas of, of um, managing their lives as opposed to specific little psychology tips and tricks that's going to make them win a match. Yeah. Man, Danny, there is so much to unpack there. I, I almost don't even know where sorry. to start. No, no, not sorry. This is, this is exactly yeah. the, the conversation, the stimulation. As you're talking, you're getting my brain churning over. And as you were talking there, something that, that, that I'm really big on, I think I read it a few years ago, you know, it's, 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 it feels like you're in a live case study at the moment. You, you're actually out in the field. You, and like you said, you're getting your hands dirty and yeah, you can have all these theories, these books, you can become so educated, but I admire the person that actually jumps in with both feet and goes, right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to grow wings on the way down. We're going to jump off that building, so to speak, and we're going to learn as we're going to do it. And for me, there's, there's just such a, an amazing way you go about it. So yeah, there's so many avenues I want to I want to take this um and again before we had this chat you sent me through some really interesting documents um like I said I'll, I I didn't have the time to read them all but they look no. really fascinating but so I've read through some of the stuff um and your PhD study again fascinating stuff um can you discuss why you're so passionate about this work you're doing yeah I think I think um I needed something to occupy my own brain you know, maybe I was getting a bit bored at the end, you know, and I like, I've always liked progression. So for myself, you know, the, the, what, what I've, my PhD is actually what's something called phenomenology, where you, where it's essentially you study the lived nature, the, the lived experience, not the description of it. So you pay a lot of credit to the inner voices you have and the, the feelings and the sensations and, and how you relate with, with you, with the now you're in really, you know, the, the very, so when you're describing a lived experience, maybe poetry, music, stories, these types of things or being with the, per, you know, they're, 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 they're better than maybe descriptions of them. So that the reason I'm passionate is because, I think that when you when you rational over rationalize things, or you over solutionize them into lists and, and and basically deconstruct them into bits, you deny the whole, you, and that can make you sick. Right. Yep. You know because you're not you lose magic, you lose wonder, you lose fun and enjoyment. You get overly serious. You think you can control things that are down to luck or fate or chance. You start to see things only from your perspective. You forget that only one person can win this whole tournament. You know, you forget the other side. Yeah. You, you lose your humility that way. You become a little bit like, basically like, a, instead of someone who would make a clock, like an old clockmaker, it would take weeks to... to you know, fashion out a clock. You just become someone on a factory line that just goes, yeah, I know what to do. Doosh, next. Yeah, boom. You become a cardboard cutout and a bit lifeless. Mm -hmm. 
and then you become a bit of a parody of yourself. And Jean-Paul Sartre would generally call that bad faith. Okay. Where, where you just do the thing you do because you think it's going to give you this. You miss, like you say, what you said about growing wings on the way down. You miss, you miss the now. You miss the, the, you miss the beauty in the small bits of the journey mm. because you're so preoccupied with rhyme and reason and rationality. Yeah. And, and I see this a lot in the commentating, you know, in squash. I see this a lot in, in football commentating, the analysis shows. I see this a lot in coaching. It's like this, there's this serious front comes on and I know, and, and we're, you know, and, and, you know, I could ask any coach in England, you know, what, how do you think you win a rally? And they go, well, you pop the ball to the back, get a good length, make it die, create an opportunity, put the ball away, apply pressure. They can, we can all, who doesn't know that? There's probably 6,000 squash coaches in England who know that. How do you get a player to actually feel it, do it? How do you get with them? Mm. And, and understand their experience of how they think squash is played. And in their life, their mm. one life with their family in, from where they're from and all the doubts that they have about their future and all the, you know, then the existential stuff comes in. All the, all the what am I going to be? Have I made the right life choice? What does my granddad think? What does my grandma think? What does my dad think? He told me I should never be a player. Mm. What? But my, my mum said, go for it, live your dreams. Oh, my God, I'm that mental now. I'm asking the universe for help. <laughs> you know, yeah, what's no, going you're, on? You're, so, you're touching on some really interesting points that, that I'm so going to be digging down on and, and drilling a little bit deeper. The word yeah. identity came to mind as you were talking there about knowing your identity and, and fostering that. Another thing that came to mind as you were talking was the stories we tell ourselves or the stories the world wants us to believe. And, and you know, we almost reinforce those stories. And, and I think that that's a really dangerous little period to be in or, or, or the mindset of that. Um, and and one other thing that came to mind as you're talking, you know, the power of now, Eckhart Tolle, maybe, and, yeah. and that whole concept of, of maybe yeah. mindfulness and touching into that. So yeah. there's all these little avenues I think we're going we're gonna to really explore. Yeah. Maybe even when, when, well, uh, it, it, you can see the passion, you know, it, it just I start. You see Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and a new earth and all the, I mean, I, that, that, I probably read a new earth you know, eight, nine times. And the, these, this really helped me through the, through the years. So I think what's coming in as well is a final understanding of, of, of some of the Eastern philosophies of, a, of, of life and, and noticing the magic around you, even in, even in the mundane, if you can start to notice the magic, um, that, that, so, so, so that, so that it's hard you know, it's not easy. You can't just go around constantly like you're on some some spiritual high. And I wouldn't never want to get stuck at too far down one, you know, brand of, of living necessarily. But you know that that's that's the bottom line. It, anything that can help you wake up a little bit and and stop you um, becoming over serious and mechanical, I think, is useful. Um, and I do see that a little bit in the Egyptians. You went in squash when they, when, they, when you. One of the things I could feel it was like going back to the eighties, early nineties for me when I would spend time with Haitham, who's a very serious coach. Haitham Effa, who coaches a lot of the Egyptian stars, um, 
or you know, I would, I would, I would just watch. They, they can't. They've had, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the Egyptian players have had to get a little bit more westernised in terms of the training and getting psychologists and a team. All this modern thing of having a team. Um, but what I like when I work with Egyptian players, there is a real, there is a real aliveness in in intelligence for. What, what you might call streetwise, you know, like they're in the now, they're always processing, they're, t- they're, they're taking part a lot in their own meaning. They're not just sort of make me better. Yeah. Like a system will do it for me. Mm. A book will do it for me. You know, there's, there's, it's great distance to advice coming in. They'll just say, that's right, Danny, I've got it. and but that's that's because the i suppose maybe the culture the world we live in sports science in the 90s the development of that it almost feels like coaches are required to spoon feed the information that the the the, the people want it that they it's a transaction the the parent gives you money and then like you give me information you make me better and and you know as as a young coach you fall into that trap i think quite quickly and you want to impress because you want to distill knowledge but actually the way you talk and the way you go about it and and blending in different philosophies and getting getting the person to be self-determined getting them to be Mm -hmm. the cultivator of their own destiny their own career i think is so powerful and it sounds like you're right at the cutting edge of highlighting people to that and and, and keeping their mind and awareness open takes it's difficult because i've got i've i've been the person obviously i've been peddling the theories i've i've been in it i've been the academic you know and and really especially early on they became like a safety blanket for mm. me it was like i might not produce players but i know all this stuff ha <laughs> you can't have a go at me because i know it you know, <laughs> I've got all this yeah. stuff, but you know that you can never accuse me of anything. You know, all your little demons as a coach and what you're not doing and what and how you're not helping and you know because it's obviously you want to keep you. You know, let's get honest about it. It's a practical thing that if it's become your career choice, mm-hmm. then you need the money to pay your mortgage. So you're always going to bend and and slightly. There's a, there's a you can be principled, but there's a line. I think, I think once you've had big success, you settle down because you've lost the, you know, the, you're in your 20s, 30s, trying to prove that. I think the trick then is, is you don't go know it all. Mm-hmm. My system works for everybody, which you see some successful coaches do that actually aren't that successful. They, they, they say they're successful. When you really break it down compared to a, maybe a Rodney Martin, a Dave, David Pearson, maybe Malcolm and, these other people haven't done anything mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. But they talk as if they're, you know, <laughs> or they've had one player, mm-hmm. you know, and, and 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 that's why I always think that myself. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I judge myself as a lot on some of the more popular things. And obviously, with Laura, that was a unique. I was very close to it all, and that's mm-hmm. that took a lot, a lot of my time. But there's so many other players that I worked with, that once I'd had a bit of success with Laura and I settled and I'd got over the, probably it took me a year to stop being cocky. <laughs> In myself, it's hard not to be, is it? Yeah. Not, not cocky, but like, I know, I know, I know, you know. Then, then what you do is I kind of coached a bit more from the heart than the head. Uh, David Pearson, DP, he helped me a lot with that because he, because that's, 
his simplicity and his lack of going into all this analysis and academic and books, it kind of gave a really good uh, balancing effect. And, and what DP was amazing at, which comes into my PhD, he was, he's, he's a bit of an absurdist. Yeah. So you could see the absurdism in things, you know, like when Nick won New York and, you know, on TLC and he'd won it pretty well and he played great all week. He was on a big high. And Nick comes into the restaurant, you know, a little bit the man and all his friends were there and he started chirping on a couple of beers and DP was like, what are you on about? You know, nice. put his, nobody in this restaurant even knows what squash is. Pipe yeah. down. <laughs> And what it were, he was, he, he was not letting Nick get too high. He was like making it absurd. Like you hit a ball against the wall for a job, Nick. There's a nurse over there. You know. Yeah. I'm not saying. You know. You know. When Nick would have been down and out, he wouldn't have gone in and mm. hit him with that. You know. Uh, exactly. He really right. loved him and supported him like he did. But that's I what that. I liked about that. Yeah, I love that story. And and you might have read the book Legacy, which is all about the New Zealand All Blacks, the culture there. And I think they talk about um, Richie McCaw stamping his feet on the ground. And he actually came up with this, this thing of actually stamping his boots on the ground during a match. And when he got interviewed, like, what are you doing? They're like, is that helping your performance? He goes, no, I'm just reminding myself to keep my feet on the ground. As in, I don't want to get ahead of my station. I don't want to be arrogant. I'm not bigger than the jersey. And again, that might sound like a little bit of, of yeah story there to Nick is going listen we're playing a game we how what an honor to play a game how many millions of people in the world are struggling to put food in their child's mouths like yeah. let's not get ahead of ourselves let's not like live in this bubble of things so um yeah been- we had a, we had good times in Philadelphia at the US Open me Nick Laura we shared a and, and DP and we shared a room you know and, and, and there were some of our best memories because yeah. Obviously, Nick and Laura were so intense and so on it, and you can't, you want, you don't want to collapse this thing into pointlessness, and you got to let them be like that. But it was always a good counterbalance in the room that somebody around. And I think this is a good point about coaching, like tied into what we just said. There's so many serious, overly serious people around uh, in coaching that they've, they've lost their fun. Mm-hmm. You know, they've literally. Like, and you can understand it because they're hyped up on knowledge mm-hmm. and books and not and information. They're hyped up, you know, they're hyped up on um, wanting to make a name for themselves mm-hmm. on Twitter or whatever it is. They've got to make money. And that squash, for example, you're not going to be millionaires. So you have to, so there's a bit of paranoia there and a bit of, mm. you know, a, a bit of like looking at keeping your business going and, and, and that can make the fun disappear. Hmm. Well, that, you know, that, leads, that leads me to my next question. With all this amazing knowledge and learning you're doing, you're cultivating yeah. brilliant things. How how are you making this practical for the players? How are you doing maybe the stuff you're talking about? Well, it's how you are, firstly. So, I'm, you know, I check in with myself. You know, you've got to lead through your own example, I believe. Hmm. Totally. Just your DP doesn't have to... Work, get up in the morning and work out how he's not going to be serious. <laughs> you know, again, see how easy it is to fall into a trap. So I'm talking about this and all of a sudden I, I could go, right, well, I'll tell you, there's three things to remember. <laughs> I've just done it again. I've given you a solution. Yeah. You know, it's basically like, it's not, 
you can't give any pointers or help. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I've come into conclusion is don't forget that you're a human being. Don't don't forget being. Don't don't forget to notice that it is a bit absurd and you're just trying your best and it's not you know what I mean. Funny, one of the things I do to help myself level out, my Martin Heidegger a lot, who was, who was one of the big things on ontology and being and learned so much. One of the, he didn't, never gave advice really, he just, he, 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 you know, he's, he, he, but one of the things he said to other students once when they asked him, was funnily, he said, his, his only real hard piece of advice he gave was to spend more time in graveyards. Wow, okay. <laughs> so you think, oh, brilliant. <laughs> um why did he say that and i think when you read gravestones and you get in it's very peaceful in there as well or whatever it might be morbid but you know life you, you know we he call he puts you in touch with the bigger picture it puts you in touch with at the end of the day you're born on a day there's a dash and then there's a you know and all these people and you know you know better than that and then you come out of that for a bit and you come back in and you and you think oh i've got a player who's playing a tournament of squash Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so that's not everybody should do that i mean like the richie mccall thing you said Everybody shouldn't go and stamp their feet. That's his thing that he's felt that that's emerged out of him. His own little thing he does. Laura did lots of little things that she she was never told. She learned that little triggers and things she learned, Mm. you know, that came to her and she trusted superstitions, looking in the mirror, you know, whatever, you know, certain stretch on a warm little, those are the golden things. And, And if we, coach too much and control and analyze too much we don't leave any room for that Mm. so I try to what I do when I help practically I just try to go on hold a space for the player um see what they're bringing to me that day and in a way it reminds them they're responsible for that Mm. it's not about me coaching them it's about them it's about them sharing a shared experience with me and then thinking I'm going to wonder where that's going to take us yeah but you're not so you're not just randomly doing that like you know you're in an area of life where you're both clued up with your I'm a squash coach you're a squash player we're not we're not we're not airline pilots and you know what I mean randomly working out how to fly a plane that'd be <laughs> dangerous we're just squash people you know messing around trying to do that so and then obviously you guide them mm-hmm. you, you know you guide each other and if you really listen to players and let them have a voice that, that, that then you learn a lot if you can just I know I talk a lot but you know when I'm because I'm a lecturer and a teacher but um, if you can learn to shut up a bit in the sessions you learn a lot and, and they get if, if you get one aha moment in the lesson one. Oh my God. You've done your job. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think the, the coaches always, not always, but a lot of the time they know the answer, they know the solution and they might give a little bit of a pause, but they like jumping in. And it's something on a personal level, yeah. I've had to work hard on not to do that. But uh, I, I just want to 
refer to the, the point you made there about letting the athlete come to you, letting them talk, letting them have a bit of autonomy in, in the way yeah. they do with things. For me, the more I've, I've, I've looked into the subject and, and, and spoken to some amazing people about it, that for me starts to create a bit of resilience and mental toughness. It, they, they've got an ownership of their destiny, so to speak. If, if you just go, Danny, and you speak to your, your yeah. plan, you go, right, this is how you win squash matches. This is the mentality you need. This is the tactics. Yeah. Just, you're making a, an, an yeah. automaton that once there's a little bit of deflection from the plan, they can't adapt. They can't evolve. They can't flex. And, and I think that's a really important point to make is, is yeah, let, let the athletes be their curators of it. Um, and, and it links me to my next little bit, which is all bringing it together here a little bit. So it might link a little bit more to your study, but what do you think of the off-court well-being of, of the athletes? And can you talk on this? And, and I suppose the relevance and importance, how this leads to optimizing their performance. Yeah, I think the first thing I, I look at, I... I, I Nowadays, more than ever, you know, I've worked with people. I just see a person there, like, and then, oh, yeah, you play squash, don't you? I know that sounds stupid, but it is the absolute simplicity. It's the obvious things that you forget. You know, you forget to notice this is just a girl. She's 22. She's, And they've forgotten long ago that they're that. You, you know, you, you, see, you see someone who's you know, for what they are, they're just, they're just trying, they're on a journey, they're, they're from such a country, they've got this, so you get to know them, and you know the situation, and then I think naturally you start to help them as, you know, I told a few players lately that they need, you know, they've been on a real good mission through lockdown, because to be quite frank, they had a lot of work to do technically, it's been an amazing time to get some proper technical work done, which is another thing I don't think coaches get into, I think I think technique somewhere along the line got this real bad reputation, and it's not the technique that's the problem; it's how the technique's delivered. Mm-hmm. And also, it's, to be blunt, it's lack of it's lack of biomechanical mm-hmm. ability to teach biomechanics. Actually, that in all sports happens. Mm-hmm. So that's a side thing. I'm not so sure. I think a lot of squash coaches fall into squash with no biomechanical. Yeah. background and then I think a lot of people fall into such like coaching psychology as well without any psychology background mm-hmm. and it's all well-meaning and it's all good but I think there's a higher level of of, of coaching that can be done mm-hmm. um but so that's that and, I, and I, so what you do you know they've been doing all this work people have been working hard and they've been technically getting better because they first come to me you see they say they've got psychology problems usually I can't I don't believe in myself or watch you play squash you just go if you've got a mental problem you just squash your crap <laughs> nice you can't move your back legs fall you, you know it's too hard for you at the level you want you're not good enough mm-hmm. so good news you're not mentally weak Bad news, you've got shit loads of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, and, and you and can not say just that to work, exactly, yeah. And a massive education process. You, you're watching the top players and you can't even see what, what you need to be seeing. Hmm. You don't understand what they're doing, what's going on. They're never going to tell you because they're that good. They hardly understand it themselves. Hmm, true. But, you know, you need a massive educational process here about what the game is at these different levels. And then you also need the ideas and the work and into the tiniest of details that make the biggest differences. Mm. Well, if you're not doing that, you're just being lazy as a coach. Mm-hmm. 
you just you've just got that you're just coaching the what not the how mm. and that's my opinion on it you know yeah. um so what you do is is but so so that's that's interesting so so They'll, so, for example, a few players that have done a lot of this work and they're up for it, they've got a good attitude, you know, they have to have that attitude for what, and, and you help them with that and encourage that and you might set goals and bring in your psychological tools and mm-hmm. do all your little tricks and tips out of your magic hat for psychology. <laughs> but essentially, you it, it's things like, have you had a rest? Mm-hmm. How are your friends doing? Have you done anything for anybody else lately? You have to make them feel that not, not all their eggs are in one basket nice. in, in squash. So they have to, there is a selfishness there and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, this, this, you know, all I'm focused on is my squash. But you can also be a person every day. Mm-hmm. You can be a nice sister, a nice daughter, a nice brother. You can be, you know, so that existentially you're not all in on this one thing. Because even if you become world champion 50 times or whatever, and you've not learned how to stay to being a proper person in your own skin. Yeah. You're going to suffer when you can't get that drug. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm so there with you. So just a quick, quick little, not detour, but just to reinforce yeah. the point, I was lucky enough to interview Sarah Fitzgerald a few days ago. And I'm not Lovely. sure if that's with her. Laura, Laura's main inspirational yeah. squash player, Sarah. I, I couldn't believe the amount of stuff that she's done outside of squash above and beyond squash at 20 years old, she was the president of whisper. You know, she was basically just pushed forward at 20 when she was trying to create a career. And she, we just unpacked this whole idea about giving back to the game. Actually manners, manners was a big thing from her parents. She had to thank the organizers. She had to write a letter. And she we just got on this yeah. amazing discussion around all of the stuff that was outside of the game that actually lent Lent, yeah. her, lent to her amazing success. And it sounds like you're touching on that a little yeah. bit. That absolutely. It's more important well, to her in a way. Absolutely. You're right. And you take to think of, you know, we, we all have our different, uh, let's say, religions and creeds on how to be a, a good person, right? And what's really important and not. But if a person, if it, so, you know, you might have Malcolm Wilstrop's ideas of what, you know, being a, a good, you know, moral player is. Mm-hmm. You might have, someone else's opinions and you, you know and so on but if the coach is spending time on that and it's not too fundamental you know and, and, and like a cult you know it's not you know it's not like like you know like business or something or you know people they get so it ends up being controlling brainwash. brainwash control in my way or the highway and all of that so if if there's messages about this is how you behave this is how you treat people and so on like Laura was, Laura was saying to me that Sarah Fitz was so influential on her. She hit with her loads. When she looks back, she, she told me a few things about squash yeah. that were like bing. But mainly, I watched her how she was friendly to yeah. people, had time for people, um, could fight like a demon on court and be gutted as anything after as anyone. Mm-hmm. But or, but laughing and joking. Two days later, just hanging around, helping other players a bit. Mm. How brilliant is that? That's amazing. You know, yeah, just just keeping life in perspective in a way. And I think that's one of the ways I help Laura a, a lot um, by being with her on the tour. In mm. you know, because everyone has a background and an upbringing in a certain way. 
And I think if you have a good mother with you, you know, like you're a good parent and someone who can put you back in your uh, place in a nice way and say, you know, don't be rude and don't, you know, get perspective. And I think that Laura, um, when it came to Laura's squash, she was always so like using uh, revenge energy or, or proving a point to, to really, you know, and be selfish and get that hard personality. Well, I knew she wasn't. So it was a bit like, you know, as you get older, just let that out a bit more. Mm-hmm. You don't let people see it a bit more, you know, um, but particularly for your own sense of self. Completely, yeah. I think Laura, I'm not sure if there's the link here, but when I had that chat with Laura, she said one of her most, or or that time when everything clicked was when she actually softened her mental approach a little bit. I think she was obviously very driven, very directed, almost, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but almost selfish going, I'm, 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 oh yeah. But then when she referred to the fact of softening her mental approach, it sounds like that was the click. Can you talk on that a bit? Yeah. Well, it starts with, um, it's not my rules for me, my rules for you. It starts with, I've got my rules and my principles and my ways, but you have your ways and your principles. So I'm not, the thing is, if you set high high level of morality and ethics for yourself, but mainly morality, you become a judge to yourself mm-hmm. because you're doing it and you're being the pro or you're, you're the coach who does everything right and never messes up. You dress right, you've got your cones, you've got your drills, you've got your squad sessions planned to the end. What you're kind of doing really is going, so if you don't win, it's you. <laughs> right. Right? You, you, and, and then the player goes, out, yeah, it must be me because you're perfect. <laughs> you don't leave any room to sh- show them you're not, you're yeah. a, so what when you set reality too much, and you're all too, you know, and I learned this as well, you know, about relaxing and letting things go sometimes and softening. You judge yourself less. And you judge yourself, you don't judge yourself as harshly, although mm-hmm. you still have your standards, but then you don't judge others. You don't get as upset and as pissed off mm-hmm. about others when they win without doing the, doing it the right way. Yeah. You kind of go, how did they do that? Yeah. Like, bloody annoying that they don't even look fit damn but you don't then beat yourself up that or get as you know like go and train harder and do more you 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 think about they've just given me a lesson there i'm fitter than them and i'm stronger and miles more professional good good on them they found a different way can i learn anything from that Mm. and it's actually in the skill and what they're doing and so that that's the softening a bit. It's about seeing other other ways to do it, but mm-hmm. still, and that and what that relaxes that stops you beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. So then, when you're playing, you're not thinking. If I lose this match, I'm already know I'm going to be in my room for two days beating myself up, mm-hmm. you, you, and that takes the pressure off. Completely, yeah, and. Man, that the coach has to go with that, Jesse. You know, that you can't then have a stiff coach who looks miserable and paranoid and won't talk to you and gets all defensive because mm-hmm. of the play. Yeah, that's going to happen for an hour. Well, well, maybe not with every coach. A lot of coach, see, a lot of coaches can go straight up and go for the public 
they're there, kiss, kiss, well done, unlucky, I'm stand by you, look, I'm a great coach. Yeah. And then for the next day, sulk with the player <laughs> quietly. Yeah. You know, the, the passive aggression. Yeah. That I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have the coach who just goes nuts at the end and goes, what were that? You messed that up. And then within an hour just goes, sorry about that. Yeah. Emotion. I'm back but, but for two days, be properly supportive. Mm. Um, appropriately supportive, mm. you know, not, not soft, but mm. come on, get, get to work or let's leave it. Let's go and have a drink. Mm. We'll, we'll move on. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Oh, man, Danny, this, there's just so much gold you're talking here. It's, it's, it's you know, definitely talking my language but just bringing it to life and in in such a a curious fascinating way so yeah thank you for taking us on these journeys and stories because there's so much good in there um i want to just talk about uh working on the athlete's mind and actually like a a directed approach to working on the athlete's mind um have you found a good way about starting this journey um look because you know you you could tell an athlete at 19 years old this is what you should be trying to do for your mind and work on but they're not ready to hear it you tell the same thing to a 23 year old of that same person they hear it and they take it on board so where, where are you at with actually doing that psychology work on their mind and how do you go about it yeah it's a real interesting point good question um again it's a sense you, you drop a few things in you, you, you know you know when you're at school and you give someone a tape a tape of music it might not be you know what i mean it might not even been your best mate but you always had this link because you were into, you know, Depeche Mode or you were into, you know, Duran Duran or something or, or, or you know, the Rolling Stones or something or whatever. Um, and for some reason, they liked it. They, they, they heard the music. So you were like, oh, there's another Rolling Stones album. There's, another, there's, a, there's a different same, same label. Mm-hmm. What, my point, what I'm saying is, is, same with psychology. You, ju- you can drop things in and some people just take it and you know they're going to run with it. Yeah. And then you also drop a few hints and they're not really, just leave it. it. It has to be, it has to sing to them. It has to make sense. So I have, I have a couple, I have a girl at the moment, I know, she gives me more in-depth breakdown and, and like quality answers back to little things. And I'm like... <laughs> Well, is she going to the best school in the world? <laughs> She's like, I'm like, what an answer. Yeah. Now I can give the same thing to, to someone who's three in the world, you know, so, so I work with Marwan, you know, Marwan, I could give it to Marwan and he goes, what are you on about? <laughs> you know, and he's a bright kid. Yeah. But he yeah. just, he just, I can't talk to him that way. No. I have to talk to him in a different mode. Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of, you just, you know, you do, you just learn like, mm. uh, 
it's not um, age. Okay. It, age isn't the decipher. It's it's uh, it's the connection you have. Massive. And, uh, you know, they might like your voice. They might like the way you say things. They, they just might have decided they like you. So, any, you know, you laugh at people's jokes who you like, don't you? Yep, yeah. You don't like them. You rarely laugh at a joke they tell. Mm. But yeah. Why? It's not yeah. the joke. It's the it's it's more going on to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think that 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 connection, isn't it? It's it, you know you create that trust with that person again. It's, it very much sounds like your your method, and this is a compliment, but your method takes time. But but it takes time to cultivate those relationships to really get to know the person to really know what makes them tick. So you can yeah. be a little bit more selective with what you what information you present the person because it, it, it might, it'll hit the mark a bit better. But yeah, if you yeah. have like a one size fits all model and just go, here's psychology people, like, you know, this is yeah. what you do. It, it doesn't quite- I struggle it. with that. You know, I get asked, I was asked yesterday to do a resilience workshop, which again, it kind of makes my head shriek a bit, you know, because <laughs> it's like, you know, they want me almost to retrofit in, this is how to be resilient. I don't even think it's a thing you can be. I mean, what 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 what's resilience to you? I mean, I'm res- I was resilient this morning when I had to, you know, wash up and- set the dog out in the rain but when I was supposed to you know start me writing an hour ago and I couldn't be bothered and blag my way out of it there was no yeah. resilience there and I was you know Ronnie O'Sullivan won the world championship snooker looked very resilient next tournament it was like get me out of here yeah. is he resilient is he not I mean it's a it's a it's such a, a lived state and yeah. very relative to the condition you're actually in the match you're in Completely. Nicole David was probably the most resilient, you know, you would think in many ways. And all of a sudden for two years, she was weak as anybody. Yeah. Was an she was losing every match she played nearly. Mm. Laura was the same, you know, because it's always relative to the task. Now, I know over the years you get this, you know, well, I always at least did this and this to a point. But again, I think without knowing it, people have fallen into this, like if we buy someone in to tell us how to do that, that will happen. Yeah. And, and it, you've turned a pro, sorry, Jesse, but you've that's turned good. a process, mm-hmm. something that's a process, like ongoing complex process, mm-hmm. you've turned it into a stuck thing mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It's, resilience is that, so you can put it in a wheelbarrow. It's something you can put in there resilience it's not it's it's an ongoing yeah you know, like i just mentioned i work with marwan you know is the guy resilient or not take a poll on squash site you know does he think he is he doesn't know he doesn't care yeah he's doing but a, a professor could come along in, in a resilience expert from university who's been teaching it and making money out of it and saying this is what resilience is these are the 10 things we found out of five thousand athletes this is what resilience is and you're watching it going, oh, I haven't got that. And I've not got that one. <laughs> yeah. I've not got that one. And I need to do that, mum. And oh, yeah. oh man. Go Without that. knowing it, you're telling them they're not resilient by telling them they need to learn it. Yeah. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm just, I'm reflecting on, on, you know, you presenting this resilience piece to a, a group mm-hmm. of players. And, you know, but, but what you're going to say is going to hit the mark with someone. I guarantee it's going to hit the mark or... or parts of what you say are going to really re- resonate to parts of those individuals. So look in a, in a, in a group situation, if that's all you can do, yes, you're probably highlighting and stimulating some curiosity within people, but, yeah. but 
again, we can't just expect parents or players to have one class and just go, hey, I've got it. It's a continual work in progress, would you say? Um, yeah, deconstructing the concept that it's a thing. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm saying if you want to be what you might think resilient is or, you know, you could pick another 50 words. Mm. There isn't such a thing, but you must constantly take part in your situations First, you need to notice what's going on in your life and in that match or in that training session. And then you have to notice that, what's going on. And then you have to take part in the direction you want to take it. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, that could be a million different things to a million different people. Right? And it could be, in order to last this season, I'm going to give up this tournament. Hmm. Well, nice. Yeah, that's some 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 really yeah big conversations you have with those players. But this, sorry, Karen. Yeah, you might say to a player, you know, this match today, and you tell that they're stressed and knackered and all that. And I say, give it up, go out there, give it up. Yeah, not not lose on purpose, but just see what happens. Yes, we're or oh, this tournament, we're not. Mm. That, that's resilient. You see how I mean, Shabano, was he resilient mm. or not? Yeah, you know, must be. He, how much did he win and what did he do with his life and with Jert and all of that, okay? And plenty of times it looked like he couldn't be bothered. True, very much. But yeah. well, he was then picking his battles by the sounds of it. Are you saying yeah. that, that he would go, actually, I'm just super relaxed in this phase now because I know if I try my best and try really being tough, it's actually going to do me damage maybe at that moment and in the long run. He was yeah. well, batting smart. Yeah. So He was the- always taking part in his decisions. Now, did you ever see Nick Matthew give a match up or a rally? <laughs> no, because to Nick, that in his mode, yeah. he's like, I'm going. Nick's version of resilience is go, you know, you're literally going to have to pick me up off the floor. Yeah, but that is that wise. Is that that might not be a wise form of resilience for somebody else mm-hmm. or a child? Or so you have to again. You you have to. You can only inquire, but the, the, you have to try and help people take part in their lives more and not give up to bad faith and just go, right, if I do what you've said and I try that, in a way what you're saying is one day I will beat that player mm. or I will always be able to come back from 5-1 down. Or And you're like, no, it, 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 it's constant process taking part. No, this is so insightful. It's complex. It is complex. It's, well, it's, it, and, and you know what? One of my strap, like complexity doesn't sell. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> right? So it doesn't fit with our modern way. Yeah. Because you know? even this podcast, we'll come off it now and go, yeah, it was interesting. Just a lot of waffle. <laughs> because people don't feel that they can do anything with it. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. Because it's not three things Danny said I can write in my diary and just do. That'll, that'll work. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. But is that then our responsibility to to highlight people more to this, to have these conversations, to that's expose what, people more? That That's what I get excited about as well. That's what I'm trying to do. Mm, nice. That's and, what I'm trying to do. But have people got the have people got the intelligence, the patience? Have they got the wherewithal to yeah. to, to let go? Really, to let go of the control. Mm. You know, they might and accept that there'll be elements to live well. You might resist the cell, mm-hmm. and to live well, you might have to like experience elements of the hell. <laughs> you know, that's you know, life is has bad parts and bad bits to it. And it doesn't, and you might go through years where you're not really well, or moments where you're not really well. 
that doesn't mean you've got to get on Twitter telling everyone you're depressed. Yeah. You know, some sort of, I know why you're all going through. And, and, and that's a difference. There's depression, obviously. But what this this rise of my, my PhD is a bit of a rejection in a way of this well-being emergence that you're supposed to be in this certain state okay. where, you, where you're well all the time. I mean, even before coronavirus, this had kicked off for three years. Mm. Well, you know, hashtag well-being, wellness, mm. well, 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 well. <laughs> it's all about well-being, isn't it? And yeah. it's just because it's, it's closely linked to, to, to solutions and mm. it's closely linked to cash. Why, like, okay, I was going to ask a different question, but I want to go down this rabbit hole a little bit. Um, where does this link into instant gratification, the world we live in, in regard to, yeah, we put something up on social media and we get these likes and we just get flooded with these endorphins. Can you speak on that and, and the whole yeah. distractions and instant gratification continually being put on us now? Yeah, a good, a really good friend of mine is, uh, is a great, he's a, he's a, more of a business coach, um, works with a lot of people around the world, helping them, uh, work on yachts, you know, work on these luxury yachts and so on. So imagine you're, you're out at sea for months in a team of 30 people working for for mega million billionaire people. Mm-hmm. So the team spirit's got to be good. You've got to have good psychology. You know, you're out, you're stuck on a boat and you know, all this. So it's been like lockdown, isn't it? But they've chosen to do it. Um, and now my friend, he, he's he's in the last few years got really into more of the neuroscience stuff and the brain neuroscience and there is a new thing out a new thing like new studies all the time but neurophilosophy is quite interesting how so what so a neuroscientist and i've looked at this quite a lot as well um that um the brain wants serotonin all the time and dopamine mm-hmm. in a way your phone is like without getting about drugs and things but your phone in a way is like walking around with a bag of drugs in your pocket because as soon as you do that you've had your first rush in the anticipation so you get a a release of of, of, you know dopamine or i I don't know it i've I've lectured a touch on it but i wouldn't don't quote me on all of this but serotonin dopamine you know oxytocin is another one which is very important but more more in the feeling of connection Mm. which I always felt that when you're in a good team, you know, in squash games and you look out and you know the first emotion is support and love, that settles you. Mm-hmm. Talked about a lot of that for parents, that if the kid looks out, no matter what face you pull it, they know you love them and that, that you never go off it. You, you go up and down, but not like that. Yeah. They, they see support, they, the brain notices support and love and encouragement, mm-hmm. even if you're going, you know, they go, I'm sorry, I'm, they, they, they know they, they get an oxytocin hit, and that's that's what me and DP and hopefully had with Laura a lot. You know, she always felt off the court, and Camille and Philippe, and you see it. You know, you see the high them with these players. There's a real love there, to be honest. So oxytocin's in the air. Now, with a phone, you can get that obviously, and then so the instant gratification is probably in some level what. It is an addiction if you do it too much. I mean, we've always had this impulse as a human, but it's probably when you overdo something too much, you become a drug addict for the dopamine and the serotonin. So you get you, you end, the hand will move to the phone before the brain has actually said go there. Completely, yeah. 
Have so you you're on it. Dilemma, you go, why am I back on my Facebook? I, you know, what if you did it, Facebook? I didn't even want to come on it. I've just shut it down and I'm back on it. I've just shut it down. Why is my hand back on it? Because mm. your body starts to automatically go for the drug. Like, mm. like you drink, like, more drink. Completely, yeah. Because it, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like, that's just yeah. one way of looking at it, by the way. Yeah. You know, the social scientists would say different, the psychologists, but the neuroscientists would say that. It's literally just a very mechanical, and they'll do all the animal experiments and say, look at the animals, that's what they do. Yeah. So it's yeah. animalistic in a way, and 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 in your in your uh, drug factory in your head, Absolutely. why you want, and, and and you know when you're coaching as well, and you and you get that hit when they listen to you, and you feel powerful. Mm. That's you getting it as a coach. Yeah, I'm getting it now, a big time in this podcast because you're asking me questions. I feel amazing, and I'm spouting it off. So I'm high as you can probably tell and you get a bit of high as well. And if you're locked in listening to this right now, anybody and they're like, this is great. You will also be getting a high. If it's pissing you off, right. And you're annoyed by me and I'm annoyed by you. You'll be getting cortisol, the stress hormone. So you'll, you'll, you'll switch this straight off now, Mm -hmm. throw your phone away call me and you you know whatever and uh you know what i mean like go probably go and watch telly or do something that makes you feel get a serotonin on top of it. Yeah. you know oh, I, that, that, that's a very calculated cold way of looking at it and it for me that takes out what I, the existential part of it and the lived lifeness but I, I think there's mileage in that yeah huge um have you seen social dilemma on netflix the documentary it's, yes. it goes into that doesn't it it's 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 the is it right yeah yeah I remember yeah the... all the companies the silicon valley companies they are spending millions in figuring out how to keep people attached to their phone how to give the dopamine hits how to continually keep right. them on this factory line facebook whatsapp instagram twitter are spending billions per year on this and it's one of the documentaries i just try to get all of my teenagers that i ever coached to watch say please just watch this just get an idea of of the the actual neuroscience what's happening in your brain when you just reach for that phone when you feel that phantom buzz in your in your pocket it's not happening but you just continually into it and yeah there's yeah. a lot of instant gratification and linking it to squashing it, a bit more it's hard eh it's good because it's not a negative Mm-hmm. It, it's a negative if it becomes an addiction yeah. so what it is once you understand it like you understand how food works and you know science is great you know i'm, I'm not against science you know like i've always said this I, I talk very relativistic and it's all about the person's experience and, and you know and, and, it, and, and very interpretivist but i don't want these people to build my airplane you know what i mean i want i want a, I want a scientist you know and i want with a vaccine i want a scientist who's tested as much as they can you know um i don't want oh, well it might work it might not it all depends on the person you know but what i think is is the, the neuroscience stuff's good because you can use it for a positive good for yourself so you go, you can go, I'm not really fancying running, going out for a run. But if I just do enough, I'll, I'll get slightly and put my music on. I'll get slightly hooked on it. Mm-hmm. So it will be like a good hook to yeah. a point. But yeah. I don't want to be depressed if I can't do 200 miles a week. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? And it's the same with squash. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes when you explain to people more of a medical model of things, it's 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 like they'll almost uh, do it. Mm-hmm. So a parent will calm down more if if you say to them, if you calm down a little bit and you and you just remember to love your kids and remember the day they were born and remember what they'll be and get the you know the graveyard perspective thing. And you sit there over and over and over, the kid's gonna start to associate you with support and love and calmness, and that's gonna make them more resilient, more ability to be resilient, because they'll start being in a place where they can generate natural solutions rather than seeing you sat there going, Go on, be resilient. I've just paid for a 50-pound session on resilience for 10 weeks. This doesn't look very resilient to me. Give me that psychologist phone number. And that's just that's just cortisol. Yeah, completely, completely. Man, honestly, I'm I'm loving this, and again, people listen. <laughs> hopefully, they're getting those endorphin hits as we're going along. So, um, I think our inner voice, and this might link to your living well, you know, the the study you're doing, um, the inner voice and the language we use to speak to ourselves, you know, I believe, and I want to hear what you think is highly important. Do you do any work on this, and how do you encourage that inner voice or the tone of that language within some of the players you work with? Yeah, it's funny, like, it just springs to mind the neuro-linguistic programming. We were very much on your learned processes on how to change that voice. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it's knowing that you have a couple of voices or whatever going on. Um, and again, like I said earlier, don't necessarily bring that to someone's attention if they don't want it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the chimp paradox thing, you know, that Steve Peters did. You know, do you really want to think you've got a monkey in your head running around? Some people, it's done the heads in, mm. you know, but he didn't mean it, mm. you know, the chimp. It, you know, so sometimes you, you tell people you've got two voices and it actually highlights something that they were blissfully unaware of until you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if there are and they're aware of it and they you know, I have to, you know, sometimes I can't get myself to do this. And then I, and I said to myself and you, I said to myself, come on. And you, and you might say, well, who said to who come on? Which one said, is there two of you in there? Oh, there is. Well, is it supportive? And You can change that voice. You can change the submodalities of that voice. You can make it like Mickey Mouse or you can make it a comedian saying it or, you, you know, there's, you can change it to your grandfather or you can, you can really mess around with, with voices in your head. To, and again, that's you taking part and you coming up with things. So I like NLP at times because it gave you a scaffold-ish that you had to fill in with your experience and version mm-hmm. of, of it, it wasn't think this, think this, think this. It was like, you've got voices in your mind. If, if, if you structure them, you can say what you want, but it's likely to try it and it, and it might be better. Mm. No, A lot no. Laura did. Laura got good at having two voices and doubts, you know, whatever she got good at the process of whatever thoughts you were having, bring them into the voice box as one Okay. practice, bringing them here, uh, particularly, or if they were here mm-hmm. and you were, you couldn't push through a session and I'm tired, my legs, I can't breathe. I'm going to, I've got another minute. I can't, you know, you're on the track, take them out so that they're not as loud or you learn almost to take your voices away. Mm. Really weirdly obviously they don't but in you, you, 
So there are techniques you can do for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, and, that, and that's that. I, lo- I love that. But, and, and this might link into this next bit. What I, I, it might be linked to your voice or do you, do you fight the voice? Do you embrace it? But we hear about playing and being in the moment. You know, you hear a lot of coaches say, be in the moment, play in the moment. Um, mm. So what does this mean to you? And how can you foster that playing and being in the moment more? And again, maybe linking to all these voices that might be going on. Yeah, well, I mean, it, for me, it's not playing the moment. It's more like, like play resourcefully. Okay. So if I'm in a match and I'm a bit, you know, whatever, I might think about when I was five years old and okay. when I first went on a court and it, or 10 years old, you know, and, and I, or, or I might think of a memory mm-hmm. that inspires me. I might think of after the match, sat in the changing room, if I don't, I mean, I've done that a lot where I've, I'm using my experiences, but it's all I can in a way, you know, might fired me up because I thought, I'm not bothered about winning today, but I'm not going to be sat in that changing room with you gloating that you beat me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I better get my horse in gear. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I almost don't, I'm not bothered about winning, but I'm not letting you win. Okay. Just like because it. later on we'll be in the car or we'll be in the bar and you'll be chirping. I'm not <laughs> having it. So I wasn't in the moment there and it helped me. Mm, nice. In other words, it was a resourceful thought. Mm-hmm. We don't live in the moment as humans. Trees do that. Dogs do that. Animals. Humans live through time. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to die one day. We know that we were born. We know we're, we, we, that's the, that's the hard part of existence for a human being. Time, time is the task. Mm-hmm. Everything's about time running out. So what I've got time to, you know, to what will this mean in time? Um, if have I, by winning this match, have I shut everybody up from where, from there in my past? And have I proved that it was the right, you know, when Laura won the world championships, all in that moment, my whole history changed. Mm-hmm. Because like the end of a film, when the, when it changes and you see the film differently, mm. because it's like every hard conversation, every every you know graduation ceremonies I see at the university, weddings, mm. people crying. Why are they crying? They were they, they knew they were getting a ceremony. They see them up, they cry. It's it's because they thought, oh, I was a good parent after all. So. <laughs> it was all worth it. it My mum will really. be happy with me, yeah. and her mum will be happy with her. Yeah. You've, you've paid off your legacy, yeah. you've paid your debt. Yeah. That's what, in a way, we're always in the process of paying off our heritage and debt mm. by what we do in our futures. Mm. And that's why a lot of athletes struggle when they stop. Mm. They don't think they've paid enough off and then they've no other way to pay it off. Mm. They feel useless and empty. There's no fight to be won. There's no meaning. Mm. Unless they go and find something else. And, you yeah. know, I mean, mo- most athletes are fine, to be honest. Mm. It's just popularised. Yeah, they're not. Be- that can be really dangerous for some athletes. And, and they, I don't know if you're aware of that study with cricketers, um, that, that's the highest suicide rate in, in sport. You know, it's, it's, it's the one sport where cricketers, it's a bit of a dark topic, but yeah, they, they struggle once they leave that team environment. And, and, and again, I love cricket in a, in a way, cause it's, it's, it, even though it's a team sport, it's actually an individual sport. Yeah. Bowler versus batter. It's like one, one exchange and it's individual yeah. the whole time. And how, how useful do you feel when you contribute into the, to the cause Mm-hmm. all the time oh, yeah, it, exactly. it puts a lot of demons out there out of the house yeah you know at least there's, a, there's not a lot of space you, you feel useful mm. 
uh, you feel like you're doing your bit as a man or as a woman, you know, whatever you're doing as a, as a, as a son, you feel, you know, you feel, you feel contributory to your country, to humanity, to your team. So it's about you and them. And so what you're doing, so what, as usual, gone off, but it does link in. So when you say to somebody, be in the moment, it's very difficult to actually be in the moment unless it just arises. Mm-hmm. The zone, mm-hmm. you know, I remember Nick got asked once about the zone. You know, I was working with Nick and, and, and someone went, oh, you've been working with Danny and he's, he's, you look like you got a spark. And he went, is it, is it like the zone? And he, he went, no, there's no zone. He went, I'm thinking every single rally about what it means, why I don't want to lose, why I want to win. And it's making me, you know, do what I need to do. That, that's what's come back. Yeah. I'm not just waiting around to be in some zone where it's all perfect. I'm, I'm fighting for my... I'm, I'm working my thoughts as it goes on. I know I want to win this match, so I admit it. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm lucky enough having a chat with Nick in the next few days, and I'm going to actually bring yeah. that exact topic up. I want to I want to know what his inner voice is like in the heat of battle. And, you know, he's on the verge of winning big titles. What, what's going on there? Is he calm? Is he no voices? Is there a thousand yeah. things coming on? So, and yeah. it's I mean, isn't it? it? There's a thing called focus, obviously focusing on the task in hand. Mm-hmm. But again, I do, I think it's become a bit of a popularized a popularized thing again about you have to be in the moment and you have to be in the zone and in reality most of us live and do good tasks and good work we we do get into a flow mm-hmm. which people then might say oh that's that's being in the now but a flow comes usually because you've got a balance with you're into the task you're doing you're working the problem you're involved in it in the problem and that sort of sucks you in Mm. so it's kind of like you know let's say that you were tired in a a, a triathlon or a run or a squash match you're tired you don't always want to be there (laughs) true because it's painful you want to be somewhere else (laughs) Mm. you know for these seconds and then you want to be back in on hitting the ball yeah, nice. You know, like I've not I've not thought about it on those two almost not extremes, but going going, yeah, listen, there's 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 moments where you probably need to remove yourself and there's other moments where you need to go, actually I need to be thinking about this rally and, and, and being there. So that's that's a, yeah. that's a really good way you put that, I think. Yeah. 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 A lot of the lot you know the Iron Man. When you when you read the Iron Man people who have talked about um you know, all them miles they do, they can't be in the zone all that other moment. It's too much. They have to be off somewhere in their mind. So these long distance swimmers mm. because you know they might so so it's not i mean but i think the ultimate effect is what you're trying to get is resourcefulness okay it's you're trying to be in in the in the place where you're most resourceful for that moment mm. um I like that. so again i try to stay clear a bit of these strap lines and these ideas that if, if only everyone could be in this in the, the zone's different. The zone's more mystical. Um, we all shouldn't get the, the now and the zone mixed up. The, the, that comes once, twice in a career where you can't do anything wrong. It's weird. Yeah. They still don't know what that is. No, it's still ever, ever, ever 
the thing we're all chasing. But um, listen, I'm a little bit conscious of time. You have been, this has been yeah. so delightful, honestly. And just your your openness, the way you speak about things, your opinion on things. For, for me, it's got my cogs turning a million miles an hour. I'm feeling really passionate about this. I've got a couple more questions to finish, if that's okay. But yeah, yeah. It, it feels like we've got a whole other five episodes to still do. I've, I've only got <laughs> a third of the things I wanted to. But um, one thing more practical with athletes. So yes. um, I've got to ask this question. How would you speak to an athlete that trains really well, does everything right, but suffers with debilitating nerves during competition? Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think uh, when you say nerves, debilitating nerves, what what can you get a bit more specific? Yeah, um, I, I've only been working a very brief amount with this person, but yeah, to the point where physical shaking in the hand, um, where there is right. actually giving up, like actually I can't put one foot in front of the other. I feel so debilitated that I'm not, I'm yeah. not even close to the person I was when I train. And, and what I've started to dig down to, I think a lot of this is about the expectation from herself, from her parents, from her coach. You know, she's trained well. So she's going, actually, I've trained well. Yeah. I need to convert this into results. But what it does, it completely debilitates, you know, the classic glass arm, you know, complete glass yeah. arm. Yeah. Well, I think what, what sport's beautiful, isn't it? It's, is the sport's amazing, really. Like, look at Liverpool last night. They lost to Burnley. Who'd have predicted oh, thanks, that? Thanks, because that's my <laughs> rub it in. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, who'd have predicted that Liverpool would go on this? You can't work it out. Sport, yet again, it shows this sheer absurdity of life. And that's why sports magic. Mm. It, it's always open to things that science hasn't wrapped its hands into and rationalised to the nth degree. So again, what I would say, what this girl's one one idea you could explore, because there can be many things, you know, and you, you, you don't always want a sledgehammer to crack a peanut, so you don't want to go too big to a little mini little problem that could be. So, however, you don't, you sometimes do need to take a bigger thing than you think. It's a deeper issue than just the nerves. Um, so you might you might think with her that, um. Is she, um, is she, has she gone into a realm like almost like a fundamental Christian who goes to church and thinks if she goes to church and goes to as a Hail Marys every Sunday that nothing bad will ever happen to her? And the moment that she trips up on the pavement as her head, she blames God. Right. Okay. Yeah. Could be. I, I'm, I've only spoken to a couple of no, times. No, I'm not saying she's Christian. That's yeah. just a, a metaphor. No, but what I'm saying is, I, you know, you get some players that they're into the Christi, the religion of professionalism. Mm-hmm. So, so they think it's like an OCD bit. It's like a total form of, if I do every little thing right, now, uh, then, now some people can do that and, and embrace that and go, I know that I've done everything I could done, pressure off. Mm-hmm. Some people do everything that, but because deep, deep down, they, they, they haven't got any confidence, so they haven't, the challenge is too much or they fear their religion being exposed because they've got more underneath limiting beliefs and the setup around, it hasn't been their decision to do the work. It's been the setup around that's forced them to be a good little girl or a good little boy. And this little boy's done everything that he needs to, but really underneath he's like, I don't believe in this stuff. Yeah. I don't think you, you think cause I can do the bleep test and lift them weights. And I've read that book and, 
And, and I find this with, with kids who I get a coach sometimes and I ask them questions and probe a bit on their intelligence and they're okay. And then they turn up and they tell me they've got 10 A stars at GCSE. Wow. And I, and I go... <laughs> doesn't correlate. I'm like, so they've got this one thing GCSE is telling them they're intelligent when really all it is is that they're very good at remembering bits of things and putting them back down on paper. It doesn't mean they're intelligent. So what you can get with coaching, we can get all these well-meaning coaches with all our qualifications and our ideas. We can go bang, 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 almost treat them like mini professionals mm-hmm. with, with not a lot of humor, bits of humor, but not really making it, you know, mm-hmm. who cares and a bit absurd. Let them be serious if they want. Yeah. And we've all contributed to a situation where we've got this professional junior syndrome where it's like, like we've, we, not only have we not made it absurd, we've actually encouraged yeah. the, the religion. Yeah. We've professionalized children. How prof- yeah, like how much pressure does that put on their shoulders now as well? It's ridiculous pressure, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's not just pressure. It's not real. Yeah, true. It's, it's a big fat lie. <laughs> it's just junior squash and you, you, you're a coach, I'm a coach. We don't really know what we're doing. We do a bit. We just, it's absurd, but... Hitting a ball against the wall. Not, the, the old saying, you're pissing in the wind type thing. You know, you, you don't, you know, you, 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 you if you... You give it, give it a shot. Mm. And I think what happens, I remember doing my book and DP talking as well. And, and even, you know, like, um, they're, they're not used to what there's not, there's not, not necessarily used to a, like a no, okay. you can do all that and it don't work. Yeah. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's always it's- like, it has to work. It's in our interest that it works for you. Mm. whereas I like parents and coaches that are mischievous and set up failures and go, <laughs> look, you, you have egg on your face. I like beating them, you know, as a player, always taking the mickey out of them. Don't think you're even a player. Don't be coming walking in here at 13 years old on a Monday night with your flip-flops on, <laughs> thinking you're like a pro because your feet are tired from the weekend, you know, and you say that, you make it like, yeah, I can see what you're doing, You've been on one poster, you know, you've had one interview from your local newspaper. Yeah. And you're walking around like you've, like, like, (laughs) and and the family are walking in a little bit confident because you've won the Suffolk Junior Open and, (laughs) you know, you feel better about yourself. Oh, fine. But Mm. for God's sake. Get it's real. just squash. <laughs> Honestly, Danny, this has been one of the most amazing chats I've had in a long time. And I'm saying that genuinely because I've just loved that it. it's taken so many different avenues. We've explored 1%, I think, of what we can explore and go down rabbit holes. And 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 honestly, thank you so much for your time. It's been so Sorry, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been good. fun. But um, any any maybe final messages or thoughts for people listening that we might not have covered? Maybe something you want to reinforce um, part of... I'd say philosophy, but part of something that 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 uh, the listeners might be able to take away. Just two two things I've said, really. You know, check check that you're not getting overly serious. Yeah. All the time, you know, like notice, not even in the mundane. Notice, notice the what it is. Notice the magic, you know. 
he only needs to, unfortunately, if he went to hospital on the COVID, come out, you'd soon realise how lucky you were just to be breathing. Yeah. You know, like, let's not let's not go down this path of control and over-seriousness and keep everything... Because that doesn't mean you're not passionate. That doesn't mean... That mean, probably means you're more passionate. Yeah. You're going to have moments of being serious. Nip it in the bud. That's where you need a good friend, a good mate, a good someone to come over who you totally trust and go, knock it off. <laughs> who do you think you are? Yeah. Te- basically, take the mickey out of you. Nice. For, 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 you've got the face on again. The, you know, you, you look weird. Stop it. <laughs> right? <laughs> With that northern accent as well. It just goes a little bit further. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it takes even more. <laughs> you know, so have, you have a good friend. Have someone who can be straight with you and, you know, level you and all of that stuff. Because coaches are serious. We're part, we, we all fall into that trap in every industry. Mm. Um, so that's the main one. But, yep. uh, uh, you know... But ultimately, remember that um, it's it, the lived experience that a person goes through that you can't wrap your hands around because it's theirs and they don't even fully appreciate or know it. Try and get them to realize it more, that it's their experience, their life. Allow that room. Stop coming in too much with presumptions about what they are and what they are not because you've read a book on mental toughness leave it alone <laughs> right and, and and notice from a distance and don't medicalize it you know what i mean and and you know even as a, as a parent as a coach you can do a hell of a lot by trial and error messing around and but to do that you know you've got to be so comfortable in your own skin you cannot be making up for your own deficiencies as a person and like in your, in your current life through your players. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in a good place in your being, it's very difficult to resist that level of control. Mm. So I would always work on yourself and get yourself, get your own life back in good faith, your own life as best as you can, given your situation, mm-hmm. feel decent in yourself and usually from that that place, Jesse, you coach brilliantly, really naturally from the heart and head. And so parents will do the same. But that's that's what I've found anyway. <laughs> Mate, you, you speak so much sense. It's really powerful, your messages. Um, massive good luck with your PhD. I, I, yeah. I really look forward to maybe dissecting it one day, reading it, and yeah. also how that's also going to maybe translate and transfer into, into the real world and how people can hear more of you and, and understand some of the concepts you bring to the party mm-hmm. because, yeah, I, I think they're really powerful. I, I endorse what you're saying. There's so much stuff in there. And yeah, me for one, I'm, I'm going to go off on my run now for about an hour and guess what? I'm my, I'm, my cogs are just yeah. going to keep turning. But get, and, get your best music on. There we go. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've started... More recently, I always used to podcast and music, but you know what? Yeah. I'm in my own headspace now. I Brilliant. Nothing. Yeah. And I'm actually paying attention to nature, paying yeah. attention to the sound of my feet on the floor, paying attention to my breathing. So, well, that's but, your best music, then, isn't it? That's you your, that, that's you've again. That's what I'm saying. You've took part in your experience and you've worked out for yourself. Yeah. You didn't get told to do that, like you're doing some magic thing. You worked it out. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> um, Danny, have a fantastic day. All right. Let's, let's touch base again yeah. soon. Nice one, Jesse. Bye. Presence. Process. Persistence. 
the essence of Squash Mind. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877 351 0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.